Hello, and welcome to Muse and Metrics. This is your host, Philippa Burgess. This is season four, episode 16. Today's topic is going slowly. I have to remember that going is still going, uh, even if it's going slowly, and that there is that back to school time that's going to be upon us momentarily. And that's when the pace picks up again. That's when everybody wakes up and all of those intentions we set at the beginning of the year can then be part of a race to the finish, to recommit to our goals and our projects and kids going back to school. And in my ongoing life as a graduate student, continuing on my academic journey, but it will be much busier than this summer semester and at a more intense pace, just because not only do you have school going on, but just a lot more moving parts and a lot more things happening. And with that, just looking at these transitions, and that's what this podcast has been about, is this journey that I'm having into data science, into just transitioning my entire career not really sure where I want to take it next, but enjoying the process of being able to pursue a master's of science and embrace being a woman in tech, a woman in STEM, and a woman in science, which is not an area that I ever felt like I got much encouragement in. And in the books I've been reading lately, I've had many in books and also conferences hearing people speak, there's been common themes of learning statistics, learning calculus, and they were never included in my math education. So those are things that I want to learn on my own in parallel with AI, machine learning, data science, data analysis, and data visualization. And I keep seeing kind of the different tools and kind of how they fit together and there's a lot of similarities, similar to languages. In looking at Dutch, it was seeing that it's just a mashup of English, French, and German. And so if you know a bit of French, you know a bit of German, we know English. It's actually more familiar than one might assume until when you get into it, you're like, oh, this is, there, I recognize this. And I'm just at the point where I'm just building vocabulary don't quite yet know all the grammar rules. And I mean, languages are deep and it is not possible at this time. Not that it's impossible, but let's just say it's pretty not possible for me to approach language at the level of a native speaker unless I had a full immersion and lived in a country. But living in America, learning a foreign language is something that I'm doing for my own exploration and I won't get past a certain level unless I do full immersion. And that's okay. I'm still enjoying my journeys and improving my language skills. So I've got foreign languages, I've got programming languages, I've got maths, I've got all of those things that are things that I want to learn and get better at. I've got my actual academic studies, so I'm finishing a certificate in GIST, which is Geographic Information Sciences, this summer. And then I go on to complete my master's in human security and geospatial intelligence, uh, which I'll look to finish in December of 2024. So I have another 18 months of school in front of me. And part of it is a balance between my personal commitments and just wanting to have that time to spend with my parents, which I feel like I can do as a graduate student, and it also affords me the health insurance. I also, on top of all of that, want to be a content creator, and I've found the ability to do that with this radio show, and I want to find the ability to have the same structure and the same discipline in doing videos, but I just am not there yet. I did have a certain pace for a while with TikTok, but then I just started fighting with TikTok because if I 
put a picture of a drone. They'd tell me it was a community guideline violation and that it was actually a weapon. And I just found that the enforcement and application of these community guidelines was not equal. And it makes sense because people who speak English and monitor an American account are going to hold it to a higher standard and a different standard than those who are in Russia managing a Russian account and who are going to be pro-Russia in the Ukrainian conflict. And because my channel supported Ukraine, I was just finding that the application of the app were not equal. And so it just, I lost momentum and enthusiasm because I just felt like I was constantly fighting with them. And it was so biased that it just lost its joy. Although I still think speaking out and supporting Ukraine is important. And in my learning journeys, also in learning Ukrainian. And I did find that perhaps sharing Ukrainian culture, Ukrainian language, was a good way to show solidarity without getting in trouble on the guideline violations. I think one of the challenges that I have so many ideas bursting out of my brain, it's kind of finding where do I start and what is the deliverable. And that was quite inspiring when I went to the Esri conference last week in San Diego. And I found myself having conversations and asking questions and just getting a lot of clarity. I do find that when you go to conferences and you're talking to people, especially in the expo hall, because everybody with a booth is happy to engage with the people who stop by their booth. And I was curious about the connection between the software that we're learning, which is a Esri-based software called ArcGIS Pro and ArcGIS Online and Story Maps. And this conference talked about all of their new product releases and integrations and innovations, and then how this software is being applied in different use cases. And it was looking for what is the connection between Google and Esri and realizing they're quite competitive and there are less connections than I previously realized because of the parallel universes in which they occupy because both of the platform software um, have map making capabilities. Google has Google Earth, Google Earth Engine, uh, Google Maps, um, whereas Esri has uh, GIS map making software and all sorts of other applications and integrations uh, of this tool. And so they are not as complementary and yet I live in these two universes because as a Google Women Tech Makers Ambassador, I'm being mentored by Google and that is an amazing experience. And just getting to connect with all of these women and being part of what's happening in the AI machine learning space. Um, I got a scholarship to all of the Google certifications um, through Coursera and I've started them and they're fabulous, but I've been so, I don't want to say just busy, but I've just been kind of overwhelmed by how much I have to do, how much is on my plate. And so this comes back to going slowly. Do I want to move forward with these Google certifications? Absolutely. Do I want to create content and figure out how to launch and really develop a YouTube channel? Absolutely. Do I want to get caught up in all my past assignments that I've fallen behind on because of my various medical crisis and that of my mom's? Yes, absolutely. Do I need to really do some house projects when I'm with my mom, things that she can't do on her own and just lots of organization that has to happen and paying her bills and just handling different administrative tasks for her? Absolutely. So I just have all these things spinning around, but I have to acknowledge that I just have to go slowly. I cannot go any faster and it just doesn't make sense to burn myself out. Uh, I need to finish my courses strong. I have to just prioritize 
and know that there's only so many hours in a day and that my life needs to be balanced between time and attention and care for my mom, different things that are happening as far as errands and house projects that need to be done, and then time in front of my computer for my schoolwork, and then of course attending classes, which I tend to like to do as sync uh, versus the async. So I do like to just kind of prefer to be live day and date with the classes when I can. I get more participation and it just, it's just how I prefer to uh, participate in being an online student. And then of course, I've got my podcast and I've talked a lot about how I've wanted to reimagine this because I was having a hard time figuring out the admin of booking guests, getting them set up, and figuring out a schedule that would work for me and for them, and knowing that because I have a fixed deliverable and I have to be responsible for my planning, my production, my editing, and then folding someone else, or in this case, many people, into that workflow just needed more time and attention that I had. But where I found a structure that works for me has been in doing these audio summits. I did my first audio summit with Stephen A. Harms, who taught a class on voice that I took um, about finding your voice. And then I interviewed some of my fellow students from that. And we all sort of talked about how much we love the program. But I think one of the things with artists, and he is definitely an artist and very, very talented and very generous with sharing his gifts and inspiring and teaching, was that he uh, taught a couple of these workshops. And then I think it was more of a pandemic thing where he had extra time and he wasn't working and he was looking to fill in the gaps financially and just found a ready audience who was happy to be under his tutelage. And then I think just work probably picked up for him again. And he went back into the entertainment industry fold. And I noticed that I haven't seen him do any marketing or any follow-up within his courses, which just tells me that none of his um, stuff is kind of up to date. And also I think the other thing about him, and again, just super wonderful teacher and again, very, very talented vocalist was that none of his things were up to date, but he was working with a team of volunteers and they were devotees. They absolutely loved his course and very supportive of him. But I think at a certain point, um, I noticed someone came into the group and this was really important to sort of look at what certain group dynamics are. And he was a businessman who was saying, Hey, I'll sell your class and I can create some tech tools and I can automate some of this, but you know, I expect to be paid because I'm going to put my time in and deliver a valuable result. And I think that that was a little kind of upset the apple cart from some of the other volunteers who were just there for the sheer joy of being there because then they were feeling like, well, am I being taken advantage of? And it was right when I was feeling this little volunteer core that he got kind of fell apart. Uh, uh, and so I hadn't followed up. Anyways, the reason I bring all that up is to say I was very pleased with the audio summit that I did around him and his his group. Uh, but I haven't followed up or repackaged it or repurposed it because I felt like it wasn't particularly in alignment with anything that he was promoting. But as an audio summit, it was something I was very proud of and it was my first one. And it worked because I find that I do well with audio summits when it's part of a community of people who are part of the same conversation. And so the second audio summit I did was part of Women Tech Makers and their International Women's Day celebration with its theme, Dare to Be. And so I did a five-hour audio summit with eight of my fellow women tech makers, 
and then did accompanying blogs. And they need another edit because I pulled out the transcript from Premiere Pro, but it didn't pull out my final edit. It pulled out an earlier draft of the edit, and therefore it still needs another deep clean. But for the most part, I'm just really proud of both the audio summit and the video that I made from that, which is on the YouTube channel for Muse and Metrics. And so now it's time to do my next audio summit. And that is going to be on what they are referred to as Google I.O. Extend. And it Google, I didn't get to participate in Google I.O. this year. I was invited. And as a woman tech maker, they cover my ticket. They'd fly me out there. They'd put me up. And so they're very supportive of their tech maker ambassadors. But uh, because I was in England, I, I couldn't attend. But I am going to be part of Google I.O. Extend, where I will reach out to the women in the program who participated and can speak to uh, this Google I.O. Extend experience. And so we'll go ahead and create a audio summit that is focused on what some of the new developments are, what the new announcements are, what's coming down from Google, and just general conversations about women and women in tech and these new technologies and the conversations that we're seeing around AI and machine learning, which is all very exciting. And that's the thing that I need to plan next. But again, going with the theory of just go slowly, I will do it. I will get it done. Their campaign runs through the end of August. So that's when they would look for me to deliver it by. And I need about a month to edit. So it is something that I want to do my call out and get booked in the next week or so. And so that's my next big project. Once I kind of get through this next um, part of my life, which is getting my mom out of the hospital and getting her settled, making sure her bills are paid and just her errands are run, and then catching up on all my schoolwork and just getting caught up and then getting these interviews scheduled and I find that I do so much better if I block book so that I'll have three, four in a day and do that for two or three days straight. I think that's the most effective way for me to produce. And with those interviews is when I want to start to transition to bringing this show into an interview format where I can really have deeper dive conversations around women and women in technology. And also feeling that that might be the step into creating videos. And that although I'd like to do fancy production, I'm also realizing that that simple conversation may be enough to get started, to start putting content out there around interesting topics. I know myself, I've been listening to interviews lately on YouTube and just people talking at the camera or talking to each other. And if it's a conversation that I find interesting, then I will watch hours uh, of it. And sometimes I actually prefer listening to it, especially something that's longer. It's nice that it has good visuals, but it's okay that if I put my phone down, uh, but it's playing on my phone, I can still hear it and follow the story. So I do find that perhaps some of my thinking about YouTube is overthinking and the ability to bring people into the conversation and just begin. And that's going to be my transition between July and August is getting these interviews scheduled and planning and preparing for these conversations with these women and really taking that as an opportunity to transform this show, which to date has been very much about talking about my resets, my transitions, and really understanding where I started in the fact that I had just taken on so much 
trauma and so much transition and was really not in a good place, but also at a beginning where all the things or many of the things that had gone before had started to fall away. And this was personally with a marriage. This was professionally just walking away from everything I had done before and and wanting to start over, wanting to leave an industry that I just didn't feel connected to anymore, didn't feel part of, didn't want to be part of, uh, didn't really like the direction that it was going or necessarily my place in it. And just wanted a reset. And some of the careers I've had have been very location-based. When I was in Los Angeles, I worked in the entertainment industry. When I was in Colorado, I had started doing contract marketing and content marketing. Um, But it was very quickly overrun by the emerging cannabis industry and then later CBD. And that made sense when I was there. It was kind of what was happening. But as the market matured and as I left Colorado, it just no longer spoke to who I was or what I was about or where I wanted to be and who I wanted to be connecting with. And it just made sense to go back to school. And I completed a master's in urban planning. I have my master's. But, and I found that I have a master's in urban, I now have my master's in urban planning, although it was the GIS, the mapping, the data that really captured my attention and the technology. And that's where I want to build all of this on top of a master's in urban planning. And that's where this human security comes in because my biggest takeaway from my urban planning degree was that climate impact is real. And cities need to start building in resilience planning and working now as part of being a mentor, working now in being mentored by the intelligence community through my scholarship, through the the ICCAE, which stands for the Intelligence Community Center for Academic Excellence. That scholarship allowed me to get a deep dive into the intelligence community and get on regular calls to learn about working for the different agencies and see their media and their event topics. And a big common theme was how extreme weather has now gotten to be at the level of being a national security crisis. And that this extreme weather that we're having is only going to get more intense and that communities, cities, counties, states, and the federal government all need to be aware uh, and working together. And that that extends down to um, our all of us as citizens and basic things about knowing how to be safe, how to be safe from carbon monoxide poisoning, So, you know, people understanding communication, uh, what do you do when you lose power? What do you lose, do when you lose, uh, cell phone communication? Uh, what do you do when you lose heat, um, or air conditioning or things that, um, make, uh, livable. And so to really understand what the alternative plans are. And because cities will offer, for example, in a blizzard, they'll say, oh, well, we have warming stations. But if you can't leave your house and you've lost power and you've lost your cell phone, um, what are your options to stay warm and safe? And especially for the elderly, that was a huge issue in the Buffalo blizzard. And so, again, looking at how do we do these better? And then, of course, this, you know, Texas had its freeze, and um, we're seeing now this summer extreme heat is happening. We're seeing now this summer extreme heat is happening. We're having the highest heat reported on record 
in many places, both in the United States and around the world. And these are just things to think about. And again, understand how we, again, individually and as communities and government are going to address extreme heat, extreme cold, hurricanes, fires, earthquakes, uh, and the list goes on, not to mention man-made disasters as well. And those are all part of what I'm studying in the human security. And then the geospatial intelligence is, you know, how do we use satellite imagery, drone imagery, map making, uh, data visualization, uh, data on maps to really communicate ideas and information so that people can understand an issue and make better decisions related to uh, issues. And these issues can relate to urban planning, conservation, health, equity, any number of things. And that's what I find is interesting. And of course, there's now the concept of digital twins, uh, how we can create these uh, virtual versions of our cities and our places. And one of the new technologies that's really gaining momentum is indoor GIS. So there's the topography part of GIS, which is just a map of the land. What does that look like? And uh, we only mostly have ocean surfaces, but now bathymetry and mapping of the oceans is becoming more of a topic to really understand the depths of the ocean and how that looks in different parts of the world. And with that, then you can sort of start adding the buildings and all the things that are on top of the topography. And now this new phase is coming into incorporating BIM and um, how you can use kind of that to manage indoor space and assets and people and resources um, related to facilities and what's actually happening inside the facilities. And so those can also be mapped. And then that mapping is used uh, for planning and for decision-making, for resource allocation, for logistics. And it's kind of, it's an exciting time to be in this space. I just feel like data, data analysis and spatial data are all just gaining more and more attention and value in our society, and especially as this relates to AI and machine learning. And I think that it's a good place to be. I'm really pleased with my education. I mean, there's a part of me that feels like I can go back to work tomorrow, and I don't necessarily need this, but I kind of do, because I think the things that I'm really interested in wanting to do, and ultimately the things that I think are going to give me the most location freedom, because it comes back to taking care of my parents at this point and having that time with them is the most important thing to me. And whatever I do professionally, I really want to have a line with that. And school, at least for the next 18 months, completely aligns with that. And so I do feel like I'm in exactly the right place of where I want to be. And so there's more that I want to do. There's more that I want to learn. There's more that I want to communicate and share. But honoring the fact that I can only go as fast as I can go and I need to respect my own health and the needs of my mom, that I just can only do what I can do and that that's okay. And I think that those are important things to think about as we all kind of consider our resets, our transitions, our transformations, is to be patient with ourselves. And it's okay to capture the ideas that we have for all the things that we want to do, but also know that we can only do what we can do. And it's important to know your priorities and then just pace yourself. And sometimes you just have to get certain things off your plate that are finite and will be done, move to other things. Sometimes it's just about getting a little bit done every day or every week 
and that that's okay too. So, you know, just understanding your needs and the priorities around you. I know coming into the new year, there's always that sense of that burst of motivation and of what am I going to get done this year? And okay, I need to get started. I need to on that. And that sense of goal setting. And I had the privilege of connecting with one of the coaches who's involved with 360 Talk Radio for Women. And she offered a complimentary workshop for uh, hosts. And it was very valuable for me to recognize early in the year that care for my parents was a top priority and that they live independently. They live on opposite coasts. So I do the best I can and just going back and forth. And then with my mom just needing more attention right now, um, and that's okay. I mean, I had uh, extensive time with my dad in Pennsylvania, and now I'm in California with my mom. But I remember really getting clear that for all the things I wanted to do academically uh, with women tech makers, with 360, talk radio for women, learning that I wanted to do, whether it was foreign languages, whether it's learning music, whether it's learning data science and programming, all of the, the, the stuff that I was interested in, and then, of course, just my, my schoolwork, I just found that I reminded myself that when my mom called, I was free to stop whatever I was doing, unless I was just on a fixed deadline, of which I only really have a few of those. I would just stop and talk to my mom. She wanted to talk to her for an hour, and that's what we would do. If she had stuff she needed me to do, whether it was paying a bill or um, checking in on a doctor's appointment or ordering her something from Amazon, whatever she needed, that was my priority. Or even just the time to just chat and hang out. When I was at my dad's house and my communication with her was on the phone, I just knew that that time with her was more important than anything else I was trying to accomplish. And that stopping and giving her my full attention was really more important than anything else. And that was a really important distinction for me to make early in the year, especially when I was trying to be ambitious about things and be really motivated and be like, okay, I'm going to get things done. But then to realize that stopping and giving her my full attention was part of my job, was part of my role, was part of my priority, and that that was good. And in some ways, felt maybe a little counterintuitive because it wasn't about going fast. It was about going slowly. And now I feel the same way. Giving her my full attention when she needs it is the most important thing I can be doing. And for better or for worse, because hospitals have been involved, it's given me a certain amount of grace with my professors, and they've been very understanding of my various um, family and medical emergencies. And it's set me a little bit behind because um, I don't love having to play catch up because now I'm not just doing one assignment a week. Um, in theory, I'm having to. In theory, I'm having to get caught up with three. But I'm feeling good about the fact that. I'm still moving forward and doing the best I can and really excited about the learning. The two classes I have this semester, uh, one's in geospatial leadership and the other databases, so SQL and other uh, database programming, which is a really important part of uh, this whole data science uh, thing that I'm learning. And that was the question that I was asking was, what is the connection between Esri and Google? And I got a lot of answers that basically said, well, not much. Um, but Esri is consistently continuing to integrate with other programs. 
They're integrating now with Microsoft 365. They're integrating now with Adobe Creative Suite. And the piece of the puzzle that I was asking about, one was BigQuery uh, GIS, which is a Google platform. And so that's databases. So once I come out the other side of this database course, I think I want to do a deeper dive into learning BigQuery GIS because one guy I did talk to, kind of the last person, because I think sometimes you got to get your answer and then you're done asking. He said that a lot of people will manipulate and set up databases in BigQuery GIS and other database programs and then bring them into Esri ArcGIS Pro. And so he felt like that was one of the more common uh, connections between the two. So given that, that's where I want to see if that's the platform that I want to learn. Because part of my Google Women Tech Makers Ambassador program is my natural kind of next step to all this is becoming a Google development expert. And so with becoming a Google development expert, I have to pick a platform within which to become an expert in. And it's got to be robust enough that it will take me a year to learn it. And then it will take me another six months to go through the qualification process. There's not much at this time that I see that I can add to Google Maps, although I feel like I should be able to work with an API or be as knowledgeable as you can be about what's available through Google Maps. Similar with uh, Google Earth, Google Earth Pro, um, I should become familiar with Google Earth Engine, but I don't want to be the expert in Google Earth Engine, given the fact that it's a parallel software and platform to Esri, and you be part of the Esri family, uh, and and that's kind of one of our hub uh, platforms that we use for cartography, for map making, for data visualization, that I don't want to necessarily be promoting a Google product above an Esri product. So I feel that I should be very knowledgeable in Google Earth Engine and in ArcGIS Pro, but I should pick another one within which to be the expert in. Because whatever I choose to be an expert in, I want to unequivocally endorse that one. And then with others, I should be knowledgeable and to be able to make recommendations. ArcGIS or Google Earth Engine could work better. And so those are, I'm starting to get a direction, but completing the Google certificates is going to be part of that learning and that process. And it's good. It's all coming together, but it's coming together slowly. Um, there's a part of me that wishes it was faster, um, but knowing that it can't be in order to, for me to keep balance in my universe. And I don't know how long I'll be with my mom. Uh, I don't know if she can even return to independent living. I hope she can, but I have to just be very cognizant of where she's at and what she needs and just Again, go slowly. I don't need to rush it. I don't need any specific answer. I just need to do the best that I can given the time and the circumstances. One thing I really enjoy is knowing that as a student, there's some structure in my life for the next 18 months. So there's a lot of my life that is kind of unfolding day by day. There's so much that I'm academically and intellectually exploring there's so many things that I want to learn and do, but the main structure is there, and I appreciate that. And I also appreciate having health insurance, especially given my recent medical crisis. I very, very much appreciate health insurance. And that's something that I'm thinking about on the other side, uh, what that looks like. And although I can see myself doing independent things. I also see myself wanting to be part of larger organizations and structures that can provide those kind of benefits, which is another 
part of my motivation for wanting to lean into content creation over the next 18 months is that I figure at worst, I'll have a good portfolio to show case, hey, this is the type of work that I can do. Perhaps I can bring this skill into your organization or I can have a career and it can be its own thing. And then I can just look to find partners and eventually be able to fund my own health insurance uh, as I build a team. So, you know, all will be revealed. I have no idea what the next 18 months or my life after 18 months will look like, but I'm not too concerned. I have so much going on in my every day. My days are very full. And even with my days being full, I still find time to explore uh, different news stories. And the one that's gotten my attention beyond my regular following of what's happening in Russia and various uh, military coups and uh, the latest explosions on the Kirsch Bridge, I am finding myself very much following the Lori Vallow Daybell and Shad Daybell story. And that one is very, for all the cases that I've ever looked at, and I've definitely followed a few, uh, one of them being the Shanann and Chris Watts story when that happened in Colorado. Um, and I often listen to Dr. Grande on YouTube as he does his uh, psychological analysis. Um, but I found that this story is just, there's so many threads and there's so much going on and there's so many different perspectives. And the the interview that really the interview there that really gave me a new perspective with was Heather Daybell, who is Chad's sister-in-law and was living in Rexburg, Idaho, and was part of inspiring Chad's move to Rexburg. And another interview was uh, the court testimony of Melanie Gibb. I recently listened to another interview with Sean Littlebear. But basically, Hidden True Crime is the main channel that I've been watching. And again, as a creator, also just being inspired by the professionalism that they have on their channel. And she was a professional journalist and has now brought her talents to a channel that her and her husband host. And her husband is a forensic psychologist. And together they are looking for the hidden answers in true crime stories. And because they themselves are Mormon LDS, uh, they have a particular connection and understanding and interest in this story, and they've been following it since it broke. So if you're not familiar with that one, and uh, you have um, a heart to just have that compassion for these awful, awful stories, uh, and just kind of getting behind them and how did this happen? Why did this happen? Uh, that that is definitely quite uh, a current topic, and uh, there's there's a, there's a bit to the story that uh, I found interesting to explore. So my whole life is not just data science and content creation, um, but also. Uh, consuming things that I also find to be of interest. And then a lot of these also end up being content role models to me when I see people doing things really well and that are timely and relevant and just professionally produced and casual at the same time. Uh, the bar is high in the fact that she does a great job of presenting herself and being a very skilled interviewer. Uh, but the bar is also low in the fact that they do a Zoom screen share and basically very simple editing. And so I can see that it's approachable as well. And it seems like there's a 
starting point and a good role model there. And I think that my getting in front of the camera will happen. Uh, it's just, again, going slowly. I can only do what I can do. And um, I think so sometimes deadlines are good, um, but approachable ones. And so I feel this Google Women Tech Makers uh, next deadline and initiative that they have for us to produce another audio summit and have that air before the end of August, I feel is a good five weeks to get that done. Um, the planning, the booking, the production, and the post. So I feel like I can I can do that time schedule. And perhaps maybe not that much else um, beyond um, my schoolwork and my uh, commitments at my home with my mom and uh, some basic content creation. Uh, I was super inspired at the show talking to people about doing more content related to maps data design, geoint AI, you belong in STEM. So I have no lack of ideas, uh, but I do need to just know how and where I want to start uh, delivering them. And, and there's little technical things like I've been using just regular house lights around my mom's house and they're not just quite cutting it. So I had ordered a larger ring light, uh, which will arrive next week. So I am kind of upgrading my studio setup. So it's not that I'm not thinking about it. And I do know that I need a new computer and I need a new phone and that those are things that I'll be getting as we get into September. I look forward to continuing to upgrade my tools related to content and content production and also my space. That's a big thing about part of reorganizing the house is getting a good space together to get a production studio going so that I can actually uh, really have this place to make content. I'm someone who needs a fixed home base. And when I sh uh, create content, whether that's audio content or video content, or even if I'm using B-roll or images that I've ca uh, screen captured, I still need a good fixed working space. So I think that that's something, again, in the background that I'm working on. So my advice is that whatever reset, whatever transition you're working on, it gives some thought to go slowly. Enjoy your summer holidays. Enjoy whatever it is that you're focused on that are your priorities, that are the things that are nearest and dearest to your heart. And it's okay that we pace ourselves and we just Go at whatever pace we can go and don't limit your possibilities or your desires of the things that you want to do. But just know that our will each day only has a certain amount of strength and that we can only do what we can do each day to really move things forward and that we are going forward. So even if we're following the turtle, not the hare, um, progress is progress. It doesn't matter at what pace that progress is. And just have confidence, have faith that we'll get there and there will be a time where we'll do a sprint. And now does not need to be that time. It is perfectly okay to go slowly and gather your ideas, gather your intentions. I remember one time I had, years ago, I had the flu and I remember staying home and just reading and I ended up reading a bunch of books that were about kind of metaphysics. And they all had the same theme to them, which was the ultimate power was marrying desire and will. And desire kind of had you investigate it, ask about it, surround yourself with people who could help you. And will was the willingness to do the work and to make it happen. And that the power of manifestation lived at the intersection of desire and will. And so I think that at this point, my will 
is finite in terms of I'm doing the best I can with what's in front of me in a limited amount of time and energy and focus every day. But my desire is strong and I'm continuing to build that desire. So even though I'm not necessarily acting on that desire, there will be a moment in time where those things will start to come together very quickly because I've cleared my plate of other things. And I've got enough things moving together in the right direction. And so by managing my priorities, I feel that I will get there and that the patience will pay off. And so again, I encourage you, if there's anything that you feel is going slowly, just gather your desire and know that when you have more will free up in your life, that you can actually move things quickly and that they'll all come together when that time is really right for you to marry having the right desire with the right will around a particular project or life circumstance or goal or anything that you want to create. And slow is okay. And that's where I'm at. I'm in this very slow phase and I'm embracing it and I'm encouraging you to embrace it as well. And I think part of also slow is that sometimes we don't realize how far we've come. And in this audio journal that I've now been doing for a year and a half, it's quite incredible to me how far I've come. Go slowly is sometimes the best we can do, and it's good enough. And just to have as much joy in our lives as we can and let go of any pressure or anything that gives us stress or gives us anxiety and just know that where we're at right now is is perfect and also acknowledging how far we've come how far we've come from where we started and i have come a significant way since i first started this podcast since i first desired to create content i have done so much academically, personally, with my family, with my community, in restoring my health, in finding that new direction, in winning scholarships, in becoming a Google Women Tech Makers ambassador, and having this wonderful opportunity to be mentored by Google and to be mentored by the intelligence community, and now getting back to going to conferences and applying for new scholarships, and progressing in my academic journey and my desire to learn and having made significant progress in the languages that I'm learning, foreign languages, programming languages, all of these things that I'm starting to see that I am so much further ahead than where I was 18 months ago and certainly three years ago. And thinking back to the fact that the pandemic was three years ago and how much all of our lives have changed in that time. And my marriage ended coming up on three years now, and how much I have changed in that time. And I feel like some of my thoughts around aging and starting to feel old has more to do with feeling out of shape and feeling fluffy and just having lost my health and having lost my fitness and just having gained so much weight. And now that the weight's starting to fall off, now that I'm starting to get my body back, um, sure, I have a few more gray hairs. I probably have a few more wrinkles, but there's dye to cover the, the hair. There's lotions to cover the wrinkles. I think it's to me more about my joy, more about knowing that I can get back to fitting in my clothes and to feel that I'm getting my health back, to feel like I'm getting my shape back, that's a big part of it for me. And also knowing that I have my friends, my community, my family, my purpose, my priorities, uh, my learnings, 
my transformation is all coming together and making me feel younger, making me feel more alive. I was always so committed to my martial arts. And when I moved out of Colorado, it was so much harder to train. But all of our forums are online now. So it's not that I can't access the training. I just need to find the self-discipline. And that's another thing about going slowly. I've been so slow about getting to my third degree black belt. And I'd done all the pre-testing this year through my lower belt, brown belt, first to second black. And I was just about to get ready for third, but I just wasn't really ready. And so back to my hospital detour also gave me an out on that one as well and sort of kicked it another year since they only do these tests once a year. But now I'm more motivated to do that better, to redo all of my pre-testing and to have a much stronger, solid test this time next year. So I now have 12 months to pace myself and get it right um, because I do want to have a strong test. I did pass all of my pre-tests, but with the lowest score, and I didn't really care. I was like, I passed. But I do care. I really would like to perform better. And I know that that journey is going to be sort of the final piece of the puzzle to getting my health back. And that's just foundational. I don't need to feel old. Uh, What feels old is when I feel creaky, when I hurt, when I feel out of shape and sort of fluffy. And just knowing that it's possible to get my body back, to not be resigned to, okay, this is my new shape and I'll just live with it getting really sick put me on a very strict diet. And that has had me definitely shed some pounds. Um, But now I know that in order to sort of really get my shape back, it's folding the exercise back in. And although I can go swimming, I can go for a walk, not really someone who tends to do much in terms of running. um, But that's why I absolutely love martial arts. It's just my favorite. And I get a great workout out of it. And it doesn't feel like a strong aerobic. What I really like about martial arts is I can make it as relaxed or as intense as I want. And because I have asthma, I find that having that control is key. And that um, is a big part of martial arts. So going slowly is uh, true in many aspects of martial arts. You can go as slow as Tai Chi And you can go as fast or slow in your advancement as you choose. And so that's another thing that I want to progress in, but I just have to understand and accept that it's, it just, it's going to go in whatever time it goes in. And there's not much more that I can do. Getting my financial life back on track is also on the agenda But with all the help that I've been giving my mom, she also has been giving me some help as well. So I know I'm okay. And I know that that's just again on the agenda. And so as this is the 16th episode, I'm going to have two more episodes in this journal format. And then we are going to launch season five with guests. And and, uh, if it's not a guest, it's going to be a deep dive into a technology topic. And uh, that's going to be the format for season five. And I'm looking forward to it. And also have the Google IO Extend Audio Summit that I'll be producing as well as doing more on YouTube. So I do invite you to find me on YouTube at Muse and Metrics. And if you haven't checked out the International Women's Day Audio Summit, I do invite you to do that and uh, find me on other social media channels as well. My advice to you is wherever you are in your reset, in your transition, in your transformation, just enjoy the summer, enjoy some relaxed time, know that it's all happening in the right time, in the right way, and that going slowly is sometimes all you can do, the best you can do, and perfectly all right. And if anything, it's a good time to remember how far you have already come in your journey.